Good morning. Man, it's great to see you guys. Uh, what a beautiful day we have to worship, and what a lot of smiling faces there are after today, and online as well. I can't see you online, but I know you're out there, and we're glad that you're joining us and, and sharing with us during this time. Guys, uh, I want to ask you a question that I don't have any idea if you know the answer to, uh, but it will be interesting to see. Does anybody here know who Titus O'Neill is? Anybody know who Titus O'Neill is? Come on, you got to admit it, because if you admit that, you're going to tell me something very interesting about you. Titus O'Neill, his real name is Thaddeus Bullard, and he is a member, in fact, a star on WWE, which is World Wrestling uh, Entertainment. So if you were to tell me you knew who he was, I would go, oh, that's, that's interesting that, that you watch that. But obviously, a lot of people do, and uh, that he's pretty well known. But you might not know that uh, Titus also is a Christian. And uh, he is also a philanthropist. He has made a lot of money entertaining people through wrestling. Uh, but his story is probably what you don't know. Titus' uh, mother was molested by her stepfather whenever uh, she was 10 years of age. He began molesting her. And she became pregnant about 11. And at an age of 12, she gave birth to Titus O'Neill. And, you know, he grew up in a single-parent home, obviously not the best of situations, being shuttled around uh, and he was angry at his mother for many, many years until he was 17 years of age, and somehow he found out about the story about his mother and how she had given him life. And suddenly he said all of his hate turned into love and gratitude that she had actually given him life, that she had not aborted him. Today, Titus is an outspoken Christian about the value of life, and also he spends a lot of money, a lot of his blessings helping those who are in crisis pregnancies. Well, today we're going to be talking about the untouchable subject of abortion. And I will tell you, this is a difficult subject that touches deep emotions, and rightly so, as we're going to see as we get into this. You know, unfortunately, it's also become a very political issue, which it should never be. But abortion deals with what I think is one of the most, if not the most important issue ever considered, and that is the value of life itself, and where does life come from? And there are several angles to deal with this, the scientific angle. We'll touch on a few of those, but I primarily want to approach it from a strictly biblical view. You know, what I've found is that this is a topic that many people have very strong opinions about. Many people have formed views about this for one reason or another. Sometimes it's a personal issue if they dealt with a crisis pregnancy. For other people, it might be a political issue of some sort. And like a lot of other controversial topics in our, in our world today, we oftentimes form our view based on our experiences and not always on the real standard of truth, which is the Word of God. You know, last week we talked about the uncomfortable and the untouchable topic of homosexuality, and we said that many times our view is based on our experiences, someone we know, or maybe our own experiences, and we don't always go back to God's Word, truth, to discover what it really has to say. So today, whether you're experiencing personally or you have experiences with someone that you know and love or maybe if you have um, a, a political view that you're trying to defend, all I'm going to ask you to do is to open your mind and your heart and ask you to just let God speak to you on this topic. And let me also say this up front, that if you have had an abortion, or if you have forced someone to, or if you have encouraged someone, or you have paid for an abortion, I want you to know that the last thing I want to do is lay guilt on you. The last thing I want to do is call you out on that. All of us have things in our life that we have done that are wrong. Abortion is a sin, but it is not an unforgivable sin. 
It's a sin that can have deep repercussions, but it's one also that God can take away from us. And if this is a personal issue with you, this is probably going to be a difficult time. But my prayer is that it will provide some healing. Because we're going to see it in a testimony at the end of this that one of the ways that God is able to bring healing into our life is when we open our lives up and we let Him address the issues in our life. And God can and will do that and can give us freedom and healing from no matter what we have experienced in the past. So let's talk about this subject, this untouchable subject. Abortion, simply put, is the intentional ending of a pregnancy. Abortion became legal in 1973 in a court case called Roe v. Wade. Probably have heard about that lately. Today, there are almost 900,000 abortions every year in the U.S. Over 63 million lives have been terminated since 1973. Now, to make that a little more personal here in the state of Kentucky, in Kentucky, on the average, there are nine abortions today. Yesterday, in Kentucky, there were 15 abortions. Since March the 1st, there have been 872 deaths by coronavirus. And since March 1st, there have been 2,030 deaths by abortion. Now, that's very ironic given the fact that we're doing everything we can to keep people from dying from the virus. And on the other hand, we're killing them by abortion. That is ridiculous, guys. You know, I was 13 years old when abortion became legal. I don't remember hearing anything about that case. Obviously, our church was silent on that issue. We didn't have a voice. It was never even mentioned. For many years, I was really only vaguely familiar with what it was and certainly how it was performed. And I think that most people probably live in a blissful ignorance about this until they come into a situation where they have a crisis pregnancy to deal with or or it touches them personally or someone that they love. And then they begin to struggle with the decision. And they have to make sometimes a difficult decision how to to go forward. You know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about a full description of the many ways that babies are aborted. But I want to suffice it to say that if you can imagine a person being torn limb from limb inside the womb, that's what abortion is all about. And if you want to know more about that, how it's done, you can go to a website called liveaction.org, and it will tell you the many ways that babies are aborted today. But I want to just say up front, guys, that this is a national shame. And it's time that we were to say, could say, this is enough. This is enough. And that's why we have to seek the counsel of God, because it is a difficult topic to discuss. And it's hard for us to know, how do we get away from this point? You know, I think it's easy for us to see how the world accepts abortion. If you take the moral issue out of it, I think I kind of get it there. It seems like a quick fix to a very serious problem. Being in a crisis pregnancy is definitely an issue, right? But it's only later, after this problem has been solved, basically, that it's the real issues arise. And there are many. Health issues can occur from the abortion. Infertility is a possibility. But more than anything else, what people tell me is the emotional toll that abortion takes on a person. The emotional deadening, the fear, the sexual dysfunction, the depression, the loneliness, and suicidal feelings. And what I've discovered is that many Christians struggle with these as well, if they have that in their own past. And the reason I think that is true is because when God creates life, and we end life, and we understand that, even maybe 
We didn't understand it at the moment, but later on we do, and we look back, we feel guilt. And that would only be natural. The Bible says that we are truly made in the image of God. And the more that we come to know God and understand who God is and what God has done for us, the more that becomes real to us. And so I believe that as Christians, we need to address this as just an issue of how do we find freedom from the guilt and shame that comes because of our past. But not only that, we have to kind of understand how hearts and consciences work in other people as well so that we don't become preachy or judgmental, but we just try to apply the salve of God's healing to their lives because there are a lot of hurting people out there. See, the reality is that God alone is the giver of life, and God is there at conception, and God is there at every step along the way. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 139, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in thy mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The Bible tells us that God, who is the giver of life and the developer of life and the sustainer of life, that God knows every day that's appointed for us to live, that God has set before us a lifetime, and we don't understand all of that, but God knows all the days of our life and that we do not have the right to shorten our own life or the life of anyone else because God has ordained those days and we put ourselves in the place of God when we make decisions like that. The Bible not only talks about God's a giver of life, but it's full of commands protecting life, including the sixth commandment which says you shall not murder. In fact, in the Bible, it very clearly sets out that anyone who took an innocent life was to be put to death including the life of a baby in the womb. If you go back and look at what the law has to say, setting up, obviously, the value of life, but also setting up what we call the death penalty today for those who intentionally take the life of another. And we may feel strongly about that, but that was something that God set up in early in history. Later on in the New Testament, Jesus chose, uh, Jesus echoed these same commandments. And he challenged his followers to protect and stand up for those who were unable to protect and stand up for themselves. And in reality, there's no one more helpless, more vulnerable, more innocent than the baby in the womb. And so all of this, this information, you know, why is abortion accepted today? And specifically, I, I struggle with the issue why there are some who are Christians who believe that abortion is acceptable and is a practice that we ought to continue to, to, to keep doing. How do we justify this? So in, in my research, and my thinking, I've got to figure out how do people think. And so I, I want to suggest three arguments, I think, that people suggest as to why it's acceptable, why abortion should continue to be legal in our country. And here are the arguments, and I'll try to refute them, obviously. First of all, the first argument is that a baby in the womb isn't a person. It isn't a person. You know, back in 1973, when Roe v. Wade was decided, that was almost 50 years ago, believe it or not, there really wasn't all the technology and the scientific advancement that we have today. Obviously, the Bible teaches us that this is a person. The Bible, in fact, teaches us that when a child is conceived, a new soul is created by God. That's what the Bible says. When a child is conceived, when the, the, the 
The child, life life begins right there. A soul is created by God. Science tells us that when a child is conceived, a brand new strand of DNA is created. 23 chromosomes from the mother, 23 from the father, 46 total. They create instantly, biologically, a human being. And that begins to develop from that moment forward. At 20 days, even before the mother knows she's pregnant many times, the heart formation is advancing The eyes are forming, the brain, the spinal column, the nervous system are virtually complete. 24 days into the pregnancy, from conception, the heart begins to beat. 24 days. 35 days, the mouth, the ears, the nose begin to take shape. At 43 days, which is six weeks, the brain waves begin. By eight weeks, all the organs are complete except the lungs. By 24 weeks, most babies are viable outside the womb and approximately 22 ounces. And by the way, the smallest baby to ever survive was eight ounces. That baby survived and lived and went on to grow. Now, before all this information was known or or provable by science, pro-abortionists denied that this was a person. They said it's not just a blob. It's not really a person until some point down the road. But now technology, science has told us all this, and faced with these new facts, most pro-abortions know that they have lost the factual battle. And most of them admit the unborn child is indeed a living human being. In fact, many of them have left the abortion industry because they actually know that when they discover that reality. Maybe you remember back in the olden days, maybe 19, you know, 2018, 2019, the old days, back before today, uh, when you could actually go see a movie. Remember movies and theaters, things like that. Well, there was a movie out there um, called Unplanned, and I don't know how many of you saw that movie, but it was a story of a young lady named Abby Johnson who worked for Planned Parenthood. In fact, she was the Employee of the Year award winner. She was the youngest director of Planned Parenthood clinic that ever uh, in their history. And Abby Johnson believed that she really was helping people out by providing this service to women. She really was, was sincere in that. And she thought this was just a glob of tissue that did not really feel pain. But then one day, she was called from the office, from her director's office. She was called back into the clinic, and she was asked to assist an abortion because they were so busy, they were shorthanded. And she watched an ultrasound being taken of a literal abortion, and she saw during the abortion, the baby was trying to avoid, on the ultrasound, trying to avoid the abortionist tools and recall from the pain that this baby was experiencing at the moment. Now, Abby Johnson had had two abortions herself, but when she saw this ultrasound of this baby, it made her realize that this was truly a baby, a human being who was feeling pain. And if you saw the movie, you know that Abby Johnson left Planned Parenthood and she became their worst enemy. She became a pro-life advocate and exposed the many, many sins of Planned Parenthood. But you know what? In spite of indisputable evidence that this is a child, pro-abortionists double down on this. And they double down and argue, and this is how they argue that. Okay, there is no doubt that this is life. But the point is not when does life begin, but when does life begin to matter? That's the argument today. Honestly, clearly admit that. And you know what? This has led, obviously, you know where this is going to go. This has led some to advocate for infanticide. If the newborn has some handicap, or if the parents and doctors might agree that the life should be ended. And that virtually is just almost unbelievable for us to imagine that we're at this point. But 
You probably heard last year the governor of Virginia suggested what is called the born alive abortions, where the parent and the doctors would talk and decide if the baby gets to live. They would keep it comfortable until they make that decision, and then they would act accordingly. Other states, including New York, have legalized abortion up to the moment of birth. Guys, there is simply no, disp- uh, debut, uh, no debate among honest, informed people who are both pro-life and pro-choice that abortion kills a human life. And I just want to encourage you, if you question that, I encourage you to watch a movie called 180. Uh, the, the, the website is called 180movie.com, and you can see people changing their minds in a matter of seconds based on the obvious truth of, of an ultrasound showing a baby in the womb. Now, I know what some people say about this. They say, you know what, well, Christians, you're only concerned until the baby is born. You don't care about the baby after that. You're only concerned until the baby is born. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think that's true. I can't speak for everybody, but in my experience, it is not true. I've been around a while, and my experience is that Christians are the most concerned people that I know, and they take the Scriptures to care for those who are widows and orphans very seriously. And I was just thinking about some of the missions and ministries that we support that, that help do that. One of them is Assurance. And Assurance has been around a long time, but they offer ultrasound and preventative counseling for those who consider abortion. But they also offer post-abortion help for both women and men who chose abortion. And then they give referrals for those who are dealing with, with a crisis pregnancy who keep their child. And they have saved hundreds, if not thousands, of lives right here in Lexington Assurance Crisis Pregnancy Center. And I think about the Galilean Home, which is another ministry that we support through our church. It's a home down near Liberty that provides care for handicapped children from all over the world that nobody wants. But Christians are providing a home. And whenever we give, we, a part of what we give goes to the Galilean Home. You know, I think about the work that we do in Haiti where there's so much poverty that we help support a birthing center and a healthcare facility, and we feed or- orphans and help those who are struggling, and we also care for those on the other end of the spectrum in the Grand Moon, which is the senior adults that don't have anybody to care for them. I think about our work with Lemonade International in Guatemala, where we help fund a- a- academ- a- academies and we provide food for children, provide for them. I think about the work that we do at Journey Provisions, that we help provide the, the, the needs in our community, even Christmas gifts to, to help underprivileged children or working through the family resource centers. I think about the backpack ministry that we pack out of our, our, our area upstairs uh, on a regular basis and provide for children who don't have someone to care for them. And I believe that Christians care about people even after they're born. And I think if we're going to be pro-life, we need to be truly pro-life not just to the unborn, but the elderly, the sick, the poor, the mentally unsound, the inmates, the refugees, those who are alone, elderly who are alone, minorities who are oppressed or ignored. Let's be pro-life. Let's be all pro-life, all life, and let's care and speak for those who can't speak for themselves. A second argument is this, that it's the woman's body, so it's her choice. We hear that a lot, don't we? But, you know, actually what we've just seen that it's really not the woman's body we're talking about when you think about it. It's the baby's life and the baby's body that's being terminated in abortion. The baby is in the mother's womb, but it's not their body. The baby is a separate person on their own with the right to light themselves. And if they could decide, I think they would decide to live. This is forgotten in abortion. 
You know, abortion has been tied to the uh, extreme feminist movement, and pro-abortionists claim that limiting abortion would actually um, restrict the woman's rights. But let me just say this, that once a choice has been made to have sex and the result of the pregnancy, then responsibility, not choice, is being called for. And if it's all about women's rights, then approximately half of all abortions destroy a woman's right to live because approximately half the babies are baby girls, right? And we're killing those women and not even giving them a chance to live. But you know, it's amazing how crazy we've gotten and how we think about this. For example, if a woman is on her way to the clinic to have an abortion, and if she's hit by a distracted driver and, and he kills the baby, she loses the baby, the driver could be charged with manslaughter. If that woman's on, that same woman's on her way to the abortion, and someone attacks the woman and she loses the baby, that person could be charged with murder. But if that woman does not have any problems and she makes it to the clinic safely, she can abort the baby legally. Does that make sense in any world? It does not. It is ridiculous. A third argument is this, that these children are unwanted. These are unwanted children. The argument goes that whatever the situation may be, whether you're unmarried, unprepared, too many children already, an abortion should be done because that child would not be welcome in the family it would stress the parents out and would likely be abused. And I want to tell you something, guys. There are no unwanted children. There are no unwanted children around. There are hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of couples who want kids but cannot have them biologically, and they are ready to adopt. I know that to be true personally. An unplanned pregnancy is oftentimes called a mistake. But let me say this. Since God is the giver of life... What an insult to God to say that a pregnancy is a mistake. There are no mistakes. They're unplanned. They're surprises for sure. Even, even, in, even in, you know, marriages that, that welcome a child, there are always going to be surprises. But the reality, there are no mistakes. Do we always understand what God's doing? I don't know. I doubt it. I don't. Titus O'Neill would be considered a mistake. But now he's a strong advocate for life. He's a man who is making a living, and he's giving away millions of dollars to help people in crisis. That was no mistake. Even though it was a tragic beginning to his life, it was no mistake. God is the giver of life. God does not make mistakes. Now, i got to be honest with you and tell you, it's hard to understand God sometimes. It's hard to understand how a couple of kids can go out here and have sex one time, get pregnant the first time, with no plan at all where another couple can try for years and years and can't. They're trying everything they can, medical help, everything they can possibly do uh, to do that and can't get pregnant. And I, I see that's hard to understand because that was our story. Lori and I were married for nine years before we got pregnant. We knew what we were doing. We just couldn't get pregnant, all right? What people would say, you know what you're doing? Yeah, I think we got it figured out, but we just, we just can't get pregnant, you know? And we couldn't understand why. We couldn't figure that out, you know. But unbeknownst to us, God had a greater plan. <laughs> God wanted us to adopt a little boy named Kyle. Wow. I didn't have this problem in practice. And he wanted us to adopt a little girl named Lindsay. He wanted us to give them life and a home. And God led their birth mothers, and we don't know who they were, but God led them to give them life and to give them to us. 
And we will be eternally thankful for that. And by the way, if we had gotten pregnant any earlier, we would not have had the blessing of these two wonderful people in our lives. And then God blessed us with two biological daughters to say, hey, it's okay, I got this. I knew what I was doing all along, you know? And I promise you that every child is wanted by somebody. Every child gets a chance, deserves a chance at life. You see, abortion is not going to stop child abuse either, if that's what the solution is supposed to be. In fact, in reality, child abuse has dramatically increased since Roe v. Wade. You know why I think it has? Because when you start assigning no value to a life that you could kill or not, then what difference does it make if people abuse that? It has made abuse, child abuse a lot worse. Now, pro-abortionists today use the word, the idea of rape or incest to excuse abortion. But in reality, only 1% of abortions are done due to rape, and only a half percent are done due to incest. Again, think about Titus O'Neill, man who has an incredible life. Not a great start, but a great life. You know what? Today, we become numb to the reality of abortion and how many abortions are, are performed each year. And here's what ticks me off. We're more concerned about the eggs of the great green sea turtle or the eggs of an, of, a, uh, of an eagle or the life of a homeless dog than we are about the life of a human being in the womb. And that is pathetic, in my opinion. Nothing wrong with saving turtles. I like turtles and eagles. Dogs are okay, but they're not, they don't compare. They don't compare to the life of a person. And guys, we've got to change that. However we do it, those who can make legal decisions should be held accountable for this horrible and shameful practice. Abortion should not be politicized. It's not a political issue. It's a human life issue. And I don't care what party you are, you can be pro-life in any place. But I will say this, if a man or a woman cannot be trusted to protect innocent life in the womb, they have no business leading our country, state, or anywhere else. They have no business leading that. We need to vote our conscience and vote our values when we do that. On a positive note, which we need to turn the corner, the public opinion of abortion seems to be changing. I think people are maybe finally beginning to recognize the reality, and I pray that one day abortion will, will cease to exist. My prayer is that one day every baby will be walking into the world, and they'll be giving a loving home to go into. But you know what? It's going to be difficult because abortion is an industry. It is not just a practice, it is an industry that is very profitable. And that's maybe the worst crime of all of this. Planned Parenthood, I'm calling them out. They're the leading provider of abortion in our country. They've been caught literally harvesting baby parts specifically to sell. How do you harvest them in such a way that they're not damaged so you can sell them to a company? They do that. They've been caught many times. Just announced a few weeks ago that they were removing their founder's name, Margaret Sanger. You need to read her story. That's, that's a winner. They're removing her name from one of their buildings because she supported eugenics, which is the plan to improve the human race through selective breeding, targeting poor people, those with disabilities, immigrants, and people of color. 80% of Planned Parenthood clinics are in black neighborhoods and African-American women's are three and a half times more likely to have an abortion than white women. That is not an accident. That is intentional. That's what Hitler did in Germany. That is demonic, 
And I believe that there is a demonic blindness surrounding abortion so that people can't see what they are doing. I believe that with all of my heart, good people are blinded, and Satan is doing that. Now, how can we respond to that? Several things we can do. First of all, we can pray. We can pray. It may not feel like much, but we can pray. This is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. Pray that we can break the stronghold abortion has on our world. Number two, own it and repent. If you had had an abortion or encouraged or paid for one, just acknowledge it. Just acknowledge that to God and repent of that. It's not unforgivable. And God really wants to take this, this issue, this burden off of you. You don't have to carry the guilt of this alone. You can be forgiven today. You can be made right, not only with God, but more maybe personally with yourself. You've got to be right with your heart. Thirdly, never let it be an option. Never let it be an option. Make wise and responsible choices before being sexually active. If you're involved in a crisis pregnancy, personally, your girlfriend, your daughter, your friend, value life and seek help, the right kind of help. I promise you that you're going to be applauded rather than condemned in this place. We will stand with you. If that is your crisis, we will stand with you all the way through. I promise that. Fourthly, get involved in the lives of those who are in crisis. Offer acceptance, offer love and support to them. Going through a crisis pregnancy is a tough thing, but when there are people that are loving you and affirming you and encouraging you and helping you heal through that, it, it can be done. We need people to do that. Volunteer your time and your experience in places like Assurance and encourage them. And one other thing, for people who have the courage to speak out, will you affirm them and applaud them and lift them up with encouragement? We're going to show, I'm going to show you a video right now of a young lady who is just like that, uh, someone who is part of our church family. Her name is Rachel Savage. Very bravely, some of, these, some of these videos are, I mean, it takes a lot to acknowledge this, but it's a part of her healing. And we're going to show you a highlight clip because her testimony was like 17 minutes long, and we just don't have time for all of that. But we're going to show a clip of the highlights of her, uh, of her uh, testimony. And then after this service, we're going to post that on our Facebook page the entire thing. You can see it. Please go look at it and give her the recognition and encouragement that she, uh, that she should have because of her courage. So let's watch this clip real quick. Hey, everybody. My name is Rachel Savage. Um, I've been coming to Journey for about um, three years now. I have been in recovery from substance abuse for about four and a half years. I was about 24 years old and I got pregnant. I was in active addiction. Um, I was raised in church, so an abortion was against everything that was ever instilled in me. But the enemy was tormenting my mind, telling me that it was the right thing to do. Why bring this child into the world that um, that it would be better off with Jesus instead of me having it. This is the lies that the enemy told me and tormented me with. And I believed him. I went to the abortion clinic. It was so hard to sit in this waiting room knowing that I was about to make a bad decision, but feeling so powerless like it was the only decision that I had. And I sit in the waiting room and I'm looking around and all these women are just, it's, it's quiet. 
Nobody's speaking, nobody's talking. They all look so sad. I mean, I guess what could you have to say knowing what you're about to do? It's not a happy thing. And I walked out of there with so much shame and guilt. Four years into my recovery, four whole years, I've stuffed it and stuffed it and stuffed it. Never wanted to look at it. Believe in the enemy's lie that I'm not forgiven. The past six months coming to Journey Church, it's like every morning that was very hard for me to make it to church. Whether it be, you know, getting the kids together, waking up late, it, every morning that the enemy fought me so hard to come, I would come and the videos about assurance, the abortion counseling place um, would play. Or, or they would be here in person and get up there and talk and I just knew it was God. I knew it was God telling me, let's deal with this. Let, let me help you heal. You're a new creation, Rachel. Leave it at the cross, it's not for you. It's not, that's not your burden anymore. I still struggle with that. Still. But it's a part of my journey. And I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm redeemed. I know God loves me. Thank you so much journey church you guys really don't know what you've done in my spiritual walk with the lord You know, there is a lot more to Rachel's story, and again, she does share that in the, the full-length feature, um, and it's powerful. It really is. And, uh, but I would encourage you to uh, affirm her, encourage her for taking the stand. It's a part of her healing. And I would encourage you, if you have this in your heart or any issue that is bearing upon you, that you would release that and give it to God. And if you want to talk about that, if you want to talk about any issue or in your relationship with the Lord, and how to get closer to Him or give, make a commitment to Christ, I would love to have that conversation with you.